0: Welcome, Bouncer Backers, to this week's episode of Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah-Jane Vaspers, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or simply reminded that you're not alone on your journey, Bouncing Back Stronger is here to support and empower you. We believe that every setback is an opportunity for a comeback, and every challenge is a chance for growth. Let's go. Welcome back, Bounce Backers, to this second instalment of our very captivating discussion on psychedelic mushrooms with the fabulous Eliza Collins. Now, I'm sure part one ignited your interest in this fascinating topic, so today we're going to continue our exploration into the realm of these unique little fungi guys. So they are renowned for their potential to facilitate recovery from acute depression, complex PTSD, and even addiction, where perhaps your mainstream medication hasn't worked. Remember though, even though they have been practiced in Chinese medicine for centuries, they are illegal here in the UK and pretty much globally. Now, As we delve deeper today, we have more thought-provoking conversations that goes a little bit further into their therapeutic potential and the ongoing discourse surrounding their impact. So let's jump right back in. And are patients quite willing to, to, to try the treatment?
1: Yeah, and part of why I got into what I do is that I have a lot of people from the community coming to me saying that they want to do this, but they don't want a bad trip. And so, yeah, because I was going to say, know, there's, a,
0: there's a bit of a stigma around it, and I think that's <laughs> one of the reasons why, because people are afraid and yeah. say, or oh, they've heard stories about bad trips, and you know, yeah. you see all kinds of things, and you see monsters, and it's really yep. scary. So yep. yeah, so yeah, talk talk to me a little bit more about that.
1: That the the interest and willingness of people is a hundred percent there, and it's usually the trepidation and the hesitancy of of not wanting to have a bad trip that prevents people from doing it. And is there anything
0: to guarantee that someone wouldn't
1: have a bad trip <laughs> no <laughs> no the amount no maybe? and no and the the interesting thing about psychedelics is when you take them part of it is they they tend to kind of weasel into the corners of the the brain where our fears live and the things that yeah. we're most afraid of yeah and If you have, again, with a large dose trip, if you have a trip sitter that can support you through that and let you know that you're safe, one of the things that they found through research is that when you allow that experience to happen or when you lean into that experience, it becomes less scary. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And having a safe, what we call set and setting, so your mindset going into it and the physical setting that you're in can help. So if you don't feel good, if if you feel like you're starting to have a bad trip, change your lighting, go to a different room, You know, turn music on, turn music off. Knowing these resources, being able to have these resources when you're doing that, that can help manage a bad trip while you're in it. And then one of the things that they have found with people who come out of it is if they have someone to talk to, again, to integrate what they've experienced, they recover from that. And many people often say that what was a bad trip became one of the most meaningful experiences of their lives because it allowed them to genuinely confront the things they were most afraid of and Uh, come out on the other side but that again was with that support and with that integration because if you just have that really bad experience and you don't know what to do with it and you don't know what to make of it and what that was telling you you know the brain works in metaphors it it shows us things that, you know, that's what dreams are. You wake up and you're like, man, I had a really weird dream. That was your brain talking to. If you try to break it down, it can be like, oh yeah, this happened yesterday. And I had that really bad experience or- That's a lovely way to
0: put it really. You know, when you have a bad dream and then you wake up and you can reflect on it, can't you? And you know that it wasn't real, but it does jolt you.
1: Yep. Yep. If, if there's the opportunity to attempt to make sense of what your brain was trying to tell you, some clarity can come from that, and some learning can come from that. And psychedelics are very similar.
0: Yeah, fantastic! It's so interesting. It
1: really does. It blows my mind,
0: honestly. <laughs> so, how long would you how long would you have the treatment for, or does that depend as well? Again, and, it depends. And also, you know, how do you decide to microdose or medium dose or museum dose? How, how do yeah. you decide on those doses and things like that?
1: So for somebody who's never done psychedelics, we have a phrase called start low and go slow. Right. And particularly with burnout, I, again, I work with people with burnout. Yeah, Our brains have shrunk and our system is in this fight or flight. So the last thing you want to do is shift yourself into high gear yeah. and and throw a big change at yourself. So that it, that's how I got into psychedelics. That is how I help other people understand it. So usually I recommend if you've not had any exposure to it, Starting with microdosing and having a safe environment to sort of explore these different doses is a is a good way to do it. And again, yeah. working with a specialist. I know I sound like a broken record, but having no, but somebody guide you through that process it? it's you're, being you're responsible. Go
0: and get some magic mushrooms, and you know. And you're not saying that at all. You're yeah, saying
1: no, zero you know, stars do not recommend. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. That's high, highly not recommended, folks. Do not do that. Highly not rate. recommended. It's about, um, uh, yeah, sitting with specialists, doing yeah. it in a safe environment, you yeah, know, having and, and, an expert like yourself going through, you know. And, and also, I did read something actually about kind of different types of mushroom. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so depending on who you, talk, you talk to, tell me some, a little bit more about that because he said some are stronger than others.
1: That yeah. I, I think is highly dependent. There are some people that say that there's not much of a difference between strains. There are some people that specifically say certain strains are really good for those big mind-blowing experiences, and other strains are really good for like the very mild kind of like low mini museum type dose experience. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because these things are largely not legalized or decriminalized. Mm-hmm. And you don't always know where you're getting them. Lower is better because you yeah. don't know what you're getting into. Start low, go slow. Start low, go slow. <laughs> and that's always, always a good recommendation. It's very difficult to I wrong. think we could apply and that to most
0: things in life. We can
1: apply that to most things. Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because I have not lived my life like that. I, I tend to just jump in two, yeah. two feet yeah. into the friends. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, you know. Here's the experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's $20, make good choices. That's what I always say. My, my life motto is here's $20, make good choices. Yeah. But again, starting low, going slow, being yeah. able to do that. And one of the things that I do with my clients in preparation for microdosing before we even start doing something like that is arming you with resources so that whatever comes up, you can manage your state while you're doing it. So I help people understand breathing exercises, yoga nidras. These are the types of things that we utilize so that if you do take a a little bit more than you normally would, or you normally expected to, and you're like, oh gosh, I don't know what this feels like. Go back to your breathing techniques that we've talked about. Uh Utilize these these ideas about how to engage with whatever is coming up, make sure that you're safe, that you have these things that help ground you mm-hmm. in order to do this work. And so a lot of the work that we do in psychedelics is not the physical psychedelic work itself, mm-hmm. but the preparation and the integration. Those are really the bigger parts of utilizing psychedelics. It's the compound. I I, I hesitate to say that it becomes secondary, yeah. but it really is. That's not the primary thing that you, you need when you're utilizing psychedelics.
0: And is that one of the cri- like, you know, some of the criteria of them being legalized as well is that they are used in this situation in this way?
1: That's really interesting because it's, that's an interesting space because depending on what you're looking at, you know, certain, certain cultures and certain indigenous populations have been utilizing these things for millennia. And it's embedded into their culture. And that's something that I was actually reading about just last night. We had a conference in Denver Uh and the last day of the conference, there were some, some demonstrations because a lot of the conference is around the science and the medicine and the stuff that we've been talking about. And the indigenous populations who have been utilizing this and who have so much knowledge and so much reverence for these compounds and these, these biologics, that's been left out of the conversation. And that's been a really interesting thing to consider as we move towards legalization and decriminalization is that these are things, you know, mushrooms grow all over the world, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. they go forage
0: for them yourself. You
1: can get, I would those, not yeah. recommend going to forage no. for them because <laughs> it's, it's uh, the yeah, ones, you ones get that my look like garden. you could, yeah, no, I mean, and you know from like knowing yeah. reishi and cordyceps and all of this other stuff, Yeah, ones that look like can, they can go on your salad also can unravel the fabric of reality or poison you. So you need to be careful. I also don't yeah. recommend going out and foraging unless you're yeah. you're very, very, very knowledgeable on that front. But, certain cultures. but there are certain cultures who have just cultivated these for years. And so one of the other intersections of this is in the legality of it is how do we protect those things for cultures who use them for medicinal or spiritual purposes? The peyote is a big one in the United States. P-O-D. That's peyote yeah it generally grows in like the the southwestern regions or yeah southwestern regions of the united states and mexico and things like that and it's ingrained in the indigenous cultures there wow. and it has to grow in a certain way and it takes time and so we don't you know as as colonizers we don't want to go in and just snap this stuff up because it can help anybody yeah. deal with their stuff and so there are a lot of different things that play into i think the legalization and simultaneous decolonization yeah. of the medicine like we don't want to colonize it in the process of decriminalizing it and that's, that's something that's really not said, talked about actually. enough
0: what, where do we get them all from you know as you said you're not just going to forage in you know in the forest yeah. of course, you don't want to go and upset you know the, these indigenous the ecosystem cultures, and the cultural you know? balance you know? yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah how how do you would you cultivate them yourselves is it like you know if, if say even if the uk legalized them You know, how would we would we grow them?
1: That's that's one of the things that we're confronting in the United States with the cannabis legalization right now is how to go about that. So chances are there would be initiatives for people to or companies to be able to grow them. One of the things in some of the legal language, I think in the Rhode Island bill was to be able to cultivate it yourself Mm -hmm. for personal use in your own home. So people would be able to do that. And there are people that do that now. You growing know, them themselves at home growing them themselves i'm just like i don't know i can't is is, that again i can't do, i can't recommend it, it. no um, but, <laughs> this, but this there are people that do it awarded, folks. Yeah, um, yeah exactly it, you know so
0: yeah well uh, you know cannabis you can grow at home can't you, you know? yeah yeah so
1: it's kind of a it's yeah. still a grow it's at your own natural. risk it, it,
0: it's, it's exactly it's, yeah exactly
1: and in the united states again like i think massachusetts and i want to say rhode island adopted adopted the same you can have up to six plants. So like three cannabis plants, three mature plants and like three that are in process because again, that takes its time to grow as well. Okay. So I believe that in many places they're trying to build in language where if people wanted to, they would be able to grow it themselves or there would be dispensaries like there are with cannabis dispensaries. There would be psilocybin dispensaries mm-hmm. that grow and manufacture and prepare and process these things for people. Yeah. And these are also compounds that can be manufactured from a a more pharmaceutical perspective. And like that's something that LSD is. LSD is manufactured chemically and psilocybin has been, oh God, I'm losing the word right now, synthesized. So that that can be chemically synthesized as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be grown in mushroom form.
0: Can LSD, MDMA, you know, can that be used in the same way? From a
1: research perspective, I believe it has been. Yeah. Yeah. From a treatment perspective, they are different compounds and so they do different things. I know some of the research into MTMA has been looked at from the perspective of it, it doesn't end up with the same kind of visual hallucinations necessarily, Yeah, but there is a detachment from the self, from the ego that allows observation and engagement with more difficult feelings without experiencing them quite so intensely. So I think there's value in each of them, but it's kind of figuring out what they do and where they fit and yeah. which people they'd be a good match for. Because some people would probably do really well on MDMA who would not do well on mushrooms or LSD. I have nice. zero interest in LSD. Yeah, That from my under I've never taken it. And from my understanding, nice. it's a much more intense experience. Yeah. I also don't have any interest in DMT, which is the nice. active compound in ayahuasca. And that in very small amounts, I think people tend to smoke it okay. and it is I've a very short trip. But yeah. yeah, it's a very short trip, but it's a very intense trip. Yeah. I don't have interest that's in that. That's not what you're about. That's yeah. not what I'm here for. Yeah. You know, other other people who are interested in psychedelics or who do them regularly, often referred to as psychonauts. You know, there are people who specifically go for those experiences. I'm like, yeah, yeah no, that's not me. Thanks. Keep yeah. it.
0: I think they're very much considered, especially here in the UK, the club is drug. You know, mushrooms. I think have a much more, I'd say, acceptance of use. You know, because yeah, they're they're a natural, they're a natural kind of. They're natural. You know, they
1: kind of they grow all over the place. Centuries,
0: yeah, you yes. know, and and yeah. they've had the the kind of those those powers there. Really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this might sound like a really stupid question, Eliza, but why are some mushrooms? You know, why can I have some in my stir fry? and why are some gonna make me hallucinate
1: is it i know is that a stupid question it's not a stupid question (laughs) it's 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 variety why are some peppers really mild why are are bell peppers really mild and ghost peppers gonna melt your face off it's just different chemistry
0: just different chemistry you know no real reason for it
1: no it's just it's just how they evolved and it's it's how our chemistry evolved alongside them yeah so, you know, bell peppers are nutritious and yeah. give me lots of good nutrients and minerals and psilocybin mushrooms. The psilocybin compound looks like serotonin, which we think of as a happy chemical. Absolutely. So yeah. it's very active in our our gut. Actually, I think 80% of our our serotonin is manufactured in our intestines, but it's been related to mood for a very long time. So when we take psilocybin mushrooms... It breaks down into a compound called psilocin in our system and that goes out and it finds our serotonin receptors and it binds to our serotonin receptors the way that serotonin would. And so that's why we have those kind of euphoric experiences. And that's also why people who are on something like a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor or an antidepressant, Uh certain classes of antidepressants should not be combined with these compounds. Because mm, you can yeah, end up with that. what's called ser- yeah, serotonin yeah. overload or serotonin toxicity. So if you are on medications, depending on you know what's going on, you want to be very, very careful. We it's think of, yeah. yeah, we think of like, oh, it's a mushroom. It's a natural yeah. compound. We think of supplements the same way. Uh-huh. They impact our system. They affect our system. And depending on what else we're putting in our system, those things can have very strong interactions.
0: Well, you just said it there, didn't you? Like, if you have a supplement, but you have too many of them, say, or you mix it with something else, or
1: you yeah, know, yeah, you know, we,
0: problems for yourself.
1: We hear about. I mean, you can go into any grocery store here and find licorice root, you know, and that is a Chinese herb, Gan sao. I use it mm-hmm. in my acupuncture practice and my herbal practice with clients, but it, in higher doses, can raise blood pressure. So yeah. if you have high blood pressure or you're on blood pressure medication, you don't want to take licorice necessarily, and you certainly don't want to take it in high doses. And that's the thing you can get at Whole Foods here, yeah. uh, not demonizing Whole Foods, but being very mindful of what you're taking, you know, the same thing goes with psychedelics or anything else that you're putting into your system. You need to know the overall picture of what it's going to do.
0: So you, yeah, you, you said there that, you know, that's, that's not a good mix. Who else is it not good for? Who else would you not advise to take the psychedelics?
1: I would not advise anybody in active crisis to do it. So if like you're really struggling with your anxiety in a moment and you're like, I'm going to take a psychedelic and I'm just going to deal with this, that's don't. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's that's not not a great time to do it because again, the mindset isn't there okay. for it. And We, to my knowledge, we don't have research on people with things like bipolar or a history of psychosis or a family history of psychosis. So, if you are prone to psychotic episodes, psychotic breaks, if you have something like dissociative identity disorder, we don't have enough research there to know what that's going to do. So, if you have something like that and you are interested in doing that, I recommend speaking to. your primary care physician and getting a referral to somebody who is a psychedelic assisted therapist for something like that because again we we don't know it it may help those conditions we don't know and so when we don't have that kind of information it's better to sort of stay away from it until you can connect with somebody who knows more about that
0: and you know if somebody comes to you and they're looking to use psychedelics. Is there a kind of a thorough assessment beforehand to ensure that, you know, this person is, you know, the right fit or, you know, is going to benefit from the treatment?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I do a very thorough intake with my clients because, and I do this with all of my clients, not just my psychedelic clients, because at the end of the day, When you are looking to work with somebody, you want to make sure that the provider is a good fit for you. And I, as a provider, want to make sure that the client is a good fit for me, because if I cannot provide them the best value or the safest value in any circumstance, I'm not the person to work with them. And I am happy to refer them to other people in my network that are a better fit for them. So yeah, all of my assessments, whether it's burnout recovery, psychedelics, acupuncture, I do a very thorough intake with people to make sure that I'm the, the person here. they need to be with. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Therapy is is as well, definitely. And obviously
0: you would make referrals if that person wasn't going to, yeah. Be, be yeah, to-
1: I have a really big network and I've actually already, refer- I've had people come to me interested in psychedelic work. And when I ask them what they're looking to do, the psychedelic work that is legalized right now in at least Rhode Island, and I think the US is ketamine therapy. Yeah, and a little bit about that yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's kind of in that class of things where that can be helpful and we have doctors and nurse practitioners trained in that in the United States and I know one here in Rhode Island so I've referred people to her because they'll come to me and let will say this is what I'm dealing with this is my background this is my history okay I'm not your person you're not dealing with burnout so and day-to-day stress and anxiety
0: therapy and not not psychedelic not mushroom therapy psychedelic therapy
1: it's researched, it's legalized differently, it went through a different process. I see. Yeah. And and catamin is specific to medical treatment, whereas with the, the legalization and decriminalization of things like cannabis and mushrooms, there is a recreational, recreational element to some of that too. It. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are places where psilocybin and mushrooms have been legalized or decriminalized for medical use, mm-hmm. but not recreational use. And so it, it is just it's such a new landscape from a legal perspective that we're we're kind of crossing the bridge as we build it, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I know on this other podcast that I was listening to, they were saying that a lot of the decisions that are made by the government, etc., are just very political. You know, there there is a lack of understanding of the medical field. I guess would you agree is the same in the
1: U.S. (laughs) I think it I think it depends on who you talk to. I think that there are politicians and people in the political landscape who are very invested in understanding this, but I also think that there can be a disconnect between research and practical execution. Yeah, you know, from a Chinese medicine perspective. I don't use ice on injuries. I will use cooler herbs and cooler compounds to reduce swelling, but I won't use ice. And the guy who originally came up with the rest ice elevation, rest ice compression elevation, the rice mnemonic in the oh. 70s, has the man who developed that rolled back his feelings on using ice because it doesn't actually help it, and it can cause problems later on. That is still one of the most common things I do, in myself, let's modern medicine. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, yeah. 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 that it, it is so ingrained in our culture yeah. because it hasn't permeated that yet. And wow. so from a political perspective, know. one of the nice things to see with the psychedelic renaissance, I say Renaissance, psychedelics have been around for millennia with with other cultures again. Yeah. Um, but but the sort of modern biomedical interest in it is that it does seem to be bipartisan in the United States, whether, you know, it's Republican or Democrat, there does seem to be overall support for movement forward in some direction. It's, I think, one of the handful of places where the two parties are agreeing right now, which is yeah. weird and delightful. No, but, yeah. I don't
0: know too much about the US politics. I don't really know too much about the UK ones, to be honest. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, at least at least there is that, I think, that that forward thinking there
1: Yes, very very much so, very yeah. much so. And and I think a lot of that in many ways comes from the benefits that we're seeing with veterans because yeah. I in my acupuncture practice I've worked with veterans for 10 years as an independent contractor of the VA. Right. And so I don't work for the Veterans Affairs Association, but I do work with them alongside them. And it is it has been such a historically difficult population to treat because of the incredibly challenging and sometimes horrific things that they experience and then come back and have to deal with. And so psychedelics have been a real balm for many of the individuals who have been living day to day with the absolute horror of coming back from, from war. And I think both sides of the political aisle are committed to making sure that that population has better treatment because we have failed them as a country for so long.
0: Yeah. I'd say the same here as well. Yeah. So just before we finish up, we're we're coming near to the end, Eliza. Can you tell me a little bit more about the Fireside Project? Yeah, the Fireside Project is
1: amazing. You got got excited. It's so (laughs) exciting. Yeah, I love them. So the Fireside Project is an organization here in the United States and they are a call line. They're a helpline. And for people who have taken a psychedelic and are feeling like they need support, they can call this number and it is staffed by volunteers who are trained to support people through a psychedelic trip. And you don't need to be on a huge dose psychedelic to be able to do this. If you take a small dose and you just find that some emotions are coming up or you just want to talk to somebody. So they staff the line from, I think, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in the United States time zone. And it's just a really amazing, supportive place for people to get the support that they need in that moment. And I actually read something, I think directly on their Instagram recently, Uh that they've had people call in afterwards to do integration work. So even if they're not still in the middle of a psychedelic trip, they can call after and say, Hey, I did this, you know, however many days or weeks ago, and I just want to talk to somebody about it. And so it creates that space for support and integration, completely free, staffed by individuals who want to be there. It's, it's a really amazing organization and I'm so thrilled that they exist. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we can see more support for them as an organization, see more people sign up as volunteers and see other companies and organizations around the world follow suit, follow that example and follow suit and, and create this kind of environment because that type of support and integration is what we need.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So just to finish what to what to you does the future of psychedelics look like Oh man is that a biggie
1: <laughs> it's a biggie because it's so it's so unknown right now there are so many moving parts to it yeah i think what i would like to see i can speak to the type of future that i would like to see for psychedelics
0: absolutely
1: i would really love to see a more conscious effort to embrace and honor the indigenous cultures who have been using this and to understand, make an effort to understand their knowledge and practices. And again, reverence for it, because I think Mm -hmm. that's something that in the medicalization of it, we have lost the reverence and the respect for this. Like these are, these are living, breathing compounds that grow and deserve respect and honor. And so when, when I have utilized them in the past, I, I don't have like a big, like I don't go out into the woods and, you know, pray with incense, but I, I thank what I'm taking into my body for the work that it's doing. Something as simple as gratitude for it. I would like to see more of a movement in that direction Yeah, because we're recognizing the clinical effectiveness of it. And I think divorcing it from the respect that it deserves is is a disservice to the medicine and, and a disrespect to the cultures that have been using it. So that's a big piece of what I would like to see.
0: And we have seen and, that in history, haven't we? You know, oh, the, yes. the Western yep. kind of come in and stopped in the, and said, "Okay, the, we found that this works," and
1: and yeah, upset yeah, cultures. Yeah, and- absolutely. So so a big movement in that direction. Mm-hmm. And then I think just a, a broader acceptance and understanding of overall education and support you know again the medicalization of this there's yeah there and and that's why I do what I do yeah that's why I'm literally here on this podcast today is like education is a huge piece of that for people because I think Mm. there there's a lot of opinions right now again about the medicalization of this and the gatekeeping of it and you know are we going to do that or are we going to give people access to this and and still a do it as safely as possible. It, you know,
0: a, kind of a yeah. stereotype, still based on, you know, kind of, as I said, you know, going to Amsterdam and get ma- magic mushrooms or, yeah, you yeah. know, going clubbing and, you know, things like that. So yeah. it's demystifying the. It's- it's ID demystifying.
1: Yeah, it's demystifying. It's providing education and it's providing harm reduction in whatever that looks like. If that means safe spaces for people to come and do this mm-hmm. with the support of individuals who work there. Yeah. If it means helping people understand what growing and preparing and microdosing means, like I, there's, there's a lot of potential. Yeah. We're in a space of a lot of potential right now, which I'm very excited about. But I think that it needs to be done intentionally and from a place of inclusion
0: yeah i couldn't agree more and also the fact that you know perhaps you said it before we need to move on we need to progress you know we've we've been perhaps using the same medical treatments now for decades and perhaps it's only got worse and even maybe probably from covid as well it's only going to you know the the aftermath is still going to spiral and certain medications and and certain therapies aren't Jobs seem to be working anymore.
1: Certainly, yeah, or they work people, or they work for some people and they don't work for others. And we're really anytime we can expand the opportunity to find more. Yeah,
0: Yeah, another alternative. Well, Eliza, I have taken up far too much of your time already. Not Uh, at all. uh, It was a
1: pleasure.
0: You know, just such a powerful conversation, and perhaps hopefully you'll come back sometime in the future. Maybe you know, perhaps where there's been some advancement, and and we can talk even even more about that because. That would just be wonderful. And we'll have to keep an eye on the UK. Yes. You know, I'm not sure whether they're, uh, they're, they're quite behind uh, <laughs> you know, from my own readings and, and and listening to different podcasts as well. But, uh, you know, please do keep in touch and, you know, wish every success. And uh, thank you very much for being here today, all the way from Rhode Island. Good luck with everything that you're doing because you're doing an amazing job.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Eliza. Thank you very much. So there we have it. Thank you, Eliza. That was a thoroughly fascinating conversation about the power of psychedelic mushrooms. I had no idea what potential they had, particularly in the treatment of severe depression, PTSD, addiction, and I'm sure there's many more. I know from this conversation that I'll be watching how this area develops both here and across the pond with a keen eye. And I do genuinely hope that in the future, we can have Eliza back with an update of to how it's progressed. I hope you found this conversation as riveting as I did. And yeah, who knows what's in store for psychedelics in the future. I was looking at my little boy the other day and I was thinking, when he's older, medicine may be very, very different, all for the better. And that's a wrap for this episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you bounce back stronger in your own life. I'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to share your thoughts, insights, or personal stories of resilience by reaching out to me via email or my social media channels in the show notes. I'll leave you with this. Resilience is a journey, and we're in this together. Farewell for now, Bouncer Backers. And I look forward to seeing you all next week for more like this.